What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X Pod Show. This is Jason Wygant. You're not listening to Podcast Podcast. This is like at least third or fourth best Moto X Pod Show. If you don't like anthrax, I don't know what you're doing with your life. A little anthrax and your social to open up episode 131. Brought to you by Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing is providing high quality economical economical performance parts. So check out TorqueOneRacing.com. Also, Shock Socks for all your fork seal protection. MX Girl Designs for your graphics needs. All Sport Dynamics are the best wrist braces in the world, worn by Weston Pike, Joey Savacci, Adam C. and Cirillo, and many others. Hit me up, Darkside at Darkside MX3 at AOL for info. Blood Lubricants Blood Lubricants has three series of oil to fit your needs, as well as chain lube, degreaser, polyclean, and more. Fly Racing. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. And this weekend at Washougal, you will see the 2020 line of gear debut. Power band racing for your WP suspension needs. Works wheels and mods for engine engine work, Cerakoting, and more. Extreme colors for custom painted helmets. And, of course, Kyle Tucker for your inch, uh, your real estate needs. Kyle Tucker is now with Remax Fine Properties. Hit him up, Kyle, at KyleTuckerRealEstate.com or 318-389-7696 if you're looking to buy or sell a house anywhere in the United States. So we're just coming off of a, a pretty fun race to at least be at in Millville. A lot of excitement with the mud and a lot of craziness. Uh, our boy John Short running up towards the front. Zane Merritt running up towards the front. Texas guys killing it. Uh, Minnesota. Uh, Henry Miller was up front. Just a lot of uh, a lot of excitement. I haven't even got to watch the whole thing back yet on TV as of yet because we did not get home until shit monday night i guess it was uh yeah so i'm still trying to recover from all that good stuff but uh we're gonna get tj on here in just a few moments we'll discuss some of the stuff that went down in the races uh great show tonight with john short he will be on uh texas another texas pro rider up and coming grant harlan and uh brad jeraminski who is owns club 57 mx a training facility we had one of his riders riders dawson Riker on recently so yeah it's gonna be fun uh not gonna be super long tonight i don't believe still like i said trying to recover but uh yeah we'll take a quick break and we'll get into this thing with tj we are back and uh we have got dj tj on the line who's still out in west texas as he is 364 days out of the year what's up tj hey uh no there are times that i am not out here but at that point in time i'm traveling on the road for going to races so well, okay, does me no good. Does our does our listeners and fans no good? Oh, what are you talking about? Listeners and fans love to hear what's going on out here in West Texas, right? No, they don't care. They just no. want you in studio oh. so we can go YouTube live. YouTube live, yep. All yep. right. Well, 
No so, YouTube, blah, blah. Are you by yourself in the studio tonight? Huh? I am, I am. It's uh, not going to be a very long show. Uh, I'm still recovering from getting back from Millville. A lot going on. Had to take another day off of work just to get some things done. So, yeah, we're just going to gonna rock and roll. Uh, so your test, your um, Steve Mathis under the bike test thing, you, you couldn't get out under the bike yourself either, huh? Well, I did not even attempt to get out from under the bike, the other rider's bike, because his rear wheel was spinning and shredding my jersey, so I was tucked in tight and waiting for somebody to get it off of me. Yeah. Didn't even attempt it. Uh, didn't even attempt it. No. So, yeah, for those that don't know, uh, Millville Thursday for amateur practice, super muddy. I fell almost instantly. Uh, the guy behind me endowed over me. His bike landed on top of me. Rear wheel shredded my favorite jersey. Uh, Andy also broke the carbon fiber tips on my brand new FMF exhaust. So, yeah, that, that really sucked. And the good thing is FMF does sell replacement parts. Yeah, I'm hoping it's just the tip part that's broken, not the core, because I can't really tell. It looks bent to me. Oh, like you talk about the, the, the body of the muffler looks bent? No, the inner core that sticks that comes out to the tip. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can replace that part, too. No, oh, okay. Well, we'll f I'll find out. I'm gonna, um, I haven't even had a chance to pull the thing apart yet or wash it. I've been so busy. <laughs> um, so, all right, I assume you got to watch the races? I did. I, I, I did. Yeah, they were really good. I was surprised that, like, from some of the stuff that we saw before the race and how much rain they got, and I know from, uh, of course, bringing up my kid as usual, but Doc raced in there last year. During a mud race, that place can get nasty. Oh yeah. And um, wow, like, like just all you could say for the amount of like rain they got and what it turned into was wow. Yeah, it was gnarly. Uh, we it rained. We got there Tuesday afternoon. It rained. People were stuck out in the lots outside of the track for parking. Uh -huh. uh, they were towing people out. It rained more that next night in the morning. It just kept like it was so much rain. And then, of course, so I rode practice Thursday, Thursday raced Friday. It was pretty muddy. And then I decided probably not going to race Sunday. Um, really didn't have the budget for it. One of our listeners, Eric Tetzleff, who we've had his son on before, yeah. and he was there. And he's like, dude, I came down here to race against you. Uh, I'll pay for your entry fee Sunday. I want to race with you. So I was like, all right, all right. Then Saturday, you know, all hell breaks loose, and it's just a monsoon. And I saw him, and I was like, yeah, I'm not racing Sunday. I'm out. Um, and he said, yeah, me too. And then it was beautiful, and the track was perfect, and I was so upset. Oh, uh, he didn't race either on Sunday. No, no, a lot of people left. So that, that's, what, that's what happens when you're a fair-weather rider. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and Chad Mayo and Kent Ryder and all the other Texas guys I went with, pretty much they raced. I was the only one that pushed out. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. No. But, okay. But I, I mean, I'm sort of taking into you know the, the consideration that I my back was hurting a little bit from that guy hitting me, and my bike was a little tore up. But that really is kind of BS because I still raced <laughs> the other the Friday. So that's true. All right, so let's talk about the national. What stood out, man? What was the highlights for you? Man, I, I think it to me what stood out the most to me is the I don't, know the, I don't think the right word I'm looking for is parody, but how different like and like how different the motos were. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like the dirt, the dirt didn't seem that much different. The track didn't seem like it was almost two different tracks, but it wasn't like anything that we hadn't seen before. But you normally have 
the same guys running up front both motos, you know. So um, other than Alex Martin, it seemed like there was a huge mix-up with everybody uh, from the 450s to the 250s. Guy, like, I mean, you well, got, you've got uh, Cooper was up, Cooper Webb name? was up there in the front. Okay, yeah, true, Cooper Webb, but I'm, except for those two, then yeah, it was it was such a mix-up. It seemed like you know what I mean, like a I don't know, a little was, bit, it, yeah, a that, little bit. I mean, Ferrandis was running fourth or fifth, I think, in both motos. Um, you know, but you had John Short, of course, our, one of our guys, and Henry Miller up front for a while and running really well, and um, Zacho, of course, did really well. But yeah, it was it was uh, a little bit. I can see what you're saying. It was I, I didn't get to see things like. No, I was just I didn't really like I don't know if I mentioned this. I didn't get to watch it back all, yet. I've watched the first two motos and being there yeah. you, you really obviously don't get to see everything. You see certain sections, right. but um yeah, it was it was an interesting day and most of the guys were pretty pleased with the you know the way the track turned out. Right. It just seemed like for me watching it on the app, it just seemed a lot like it was a What's the word I'm looking for? Like, it was two different racetracks, two different weekends because uh, guys, like, yeah, you had the you had the same guys who were going to be up front all the time, but I don't know. It just, and then Hunter Lawrence getting the bad start, second moto, I was super bummed for that. Yeah. he. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't know the guy. I've never talked to him, but the dude seems, just seems like, like a really good guy in person, like he would be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, and, I got to do um, about a 20-minute interview with him. Um, right. So, and it wasn't for us, a a guy named Peter Coward, who came over from Australia, who's a big moto guy over in Australia, he he found me, and he's like, hey, Darkside, um, he just wanted to meet me, and then he, he wanted to take a picture, yeah. and he's like, I'm supposed to be doing this interview with Hunter Lawrence for Motorcycling Queensland. It's a website right. for over in Australia, and uh, he's like, I'm kind of nervous, I don't really want to do it, would you do it for me? So, he set it up, he gave me the questions, and uh, I did an interview for a, a publication called, like I said, Motorcycling Queensland, which I put okay, the link yeah. in my Instagram. It's pretty cool. So I was, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I did. That was the first time I've talked to him and he was very, very friendly and um, we're going to get him on the show real soon. Cool. Cool. Well, anyways, it just, it was, it's, I think in a way, yes, it's one of the best tracks on the circuit and yes, all this, but that kind of weekend is what we want every weekend yeah like if that's how the racing was always up and down and and different things happening and, and crazy passes and and um i'd say people going off the track but it seems like ac does that every weekend <laughs> but um if we had that all the time i think it would actually help our sport tremendously yeah what do you think about those guys like hunter lawrence and ac going completely off the track all the way down the hill um, on TV, it was it was easy, and I wasn't obviously it wasn't there. But on on the t on the app or watching it on on live on TV, it was really easy to see what happened. Sure, anybody who's a racer knows exactly what happened. They just went around that corner. I thought it was second lap, but maybe it was first lap. Uh, I think but it was they, second. I thought I, I just yeah. watched it a while ago. Yeah, I think it was second lap, and they, they go around that corner. And the line just took them off the track. Right. They were both going so fast. I have I have no problem with that. Even if they would have went ninety miles an hour down the hill, they weren't they were they weren't around other people. I mean but they didn't, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. still it was no bad that didn't bother me a bit. Like Yeah, whatever. me either. But um And it's... and and I don't really think that there's an issue with 
with like AC all the time. He's just doing exactly what you're trained to do as a rider is ride the edges of the track, find the smooth lines, go fast. And I don't know. Yeah. I, some of it's people are being a little picky about. It. I agree. It's been a, a hot topic to some degree. Um, yeah. Yeah. The track, the track was pretty damn gnarly. Those first motos and in practice, uh, Friday, it was really nasty for them. Uh, really wet. And it, it actually pissed me off because, like, I'm out there tiptoeing through, barely moving, uh, scared to death. Of the, I mean, these these ruts were three foot deep, dude. I'm telling you, my first lap, I told a lot of these riders this. It was we were just talking about the track. My first lap in Moto One, four minutes and twenty something seconds to make. <laughs> now I did get that down to two minutes and like thirty seconds the rest of the time, but I was following right. a guy after the start and that kind of double tabletop thing before the rollers. And I thought he was going to jump it. I was ready to jump it. And then he locked up the brakes. So I locked up the brakes, stalled the bike. Don't have a push start. So I had to kick it. Took forever. And then on the last little uphill before the double doubles in the back, uh, this rut started coming down the hill, made the one right. went all the way up the next hill. So it was probably over a hundred feet long. I got into a <laughs> rut as I was going up the hill, there's a bike tipped over in front of me and I had to literally stop get off the bike, walk it up the hill out of the rut to miss things. And, yeah, it was horrible. I was so yeah, irritated. That's exactly how bad that place can yeah. get with the with the weather, yeah. Well, then 30 minutes later, the pros go out there, and they're, like, fourth gear pinned. And I was like, okay, first of all, you guys pissed me off. And I, like, <laughs> told my buddies, oh, wait, I want to go back out there and race again because now I know how to do it. I didn't realize that's what you're supposed to do, go fast. Oh, oh! So you learned it, and so now you you, you can you can handle it. Is what yeah, you're trying to say. yeah. If my motos hadn't, if my second moto hadn't been over by the time press started, I, I would have probably dominated because I learned something. Dominated. Yeah, I learned something. I learned something. <laughs> I get it. You, I get it. You just hold it fourth gear, pinned, and commit to the rut, and don't fall. It's that easy. <laughs> yeah. What about Zane, dude? Zane Merritt getting smashed in the face <laughs> by Jacob Hayes. Dude, obviously, anybody who knows the show knows that he's from here. Yep. I, I mean, he hangs out with, with my kids. I see him on a regular basis. Zane is Zane, is Zane, whatever. But, Jesus, I laughed about 400 times watching that video once I realized he was okay because <laughs> I don't know how he had – I don't know how he still has a head. Right. Uh, I think – here's my theory. Here's my theory. Everybody goes, oh, it's because he had a good helmet. And, you know, you kid but talked about – helmet qualities and that no his hair saved his life <laughs> anybody with long hair knows that a helmet moves a little freer on your head because the hair is inside there okay and so the the hair allowed that helmet to spin around a little bit on his head and not take his head with it hmm. and remove his it you get it so that's my theory i think zane's life was say it was saved by his hair Fair enough. I mean, it's a good, as good of a theory as any other, I guess. Um, God, did you watch the video more than one time? Yeah, like, he sent it to me, and of course, with no reception, I didn't actually get to watch it until we got halfway home went Monday. But I went and found him yeah. like right after the second 450 moto started. Uh, uh, the first, I walked over there to check on him, and yeah, he he was split open pretty good on his forehead and banged up, and yeah. uh, but in good spirits, he was he was walking around like normal and. Yeah, he's a we tough... have found what it takes. We have found what it takes to make Zane quit. Like they keep talking about how he doesn't quit, how he keeps pushing. Yeah, you take a tire to the face, <laughs> spinning at a million miles an hour. That's what it takes to put Zane on the sidelines. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I was pretty proud of those guys, you know, doing so well. Um, and they, he was on Pulp last night, so he got a, a, a big-time interview last night. And I yeah. introduced him to Dan Truman. They had a long talk about what Zane needs to do for his future. So hopefully hopefully some good things will be coming. Yeah, he's got he's he's gonna he's gonna do good. I'm I'm impressed with him and um so before we move on away from the racing stuff, what do you think about what's going on in Canada? Oh, with um Filthy and Alessi? Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious that you're cause, cause you race with me and, and, and I've posted online, I've talked to a lot of people about I'm a pretty aggressive rider and I would be happy to run somebody high off a berm or whatever. But so it doesn't. Like, it's all that noise in the background, TJ. Nothing. I'm standing still. Huh. Okay. There's a bunch yeah. of noise. Is it still noise? No. Okay. What What do you What do you think about what happened? Uh, the actual incident or the penalties? The, the whole The whole The whole situation. Okay. Well, I didn't see everything. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't caught on video, apparently. Right. But the right. one part that I did see, uh, man, I mean, unless he hit him pretty damn hard, but I, I don't, I still feel it was sort of a racing incident. But you think that in that corner where Filthy went off the, off the corner, you think unless he hit him? Maybe I didn't see that video. I don't, I, I didn't see okay, everything. When you watch the video, the one that everybody posts, you know what I mean, where they're battling back and forth. Yeah. If you look, and I want to say, I can't remember who po- posted on there. Um, one of our listeners, because because they follow, we we chatted back and forth on it. If you watch Seals back wheel, they're both aggressive, but Alessi has the inside line and is holding it, and Seals wheel kicks out a little bit, yes, and when he yes. does, he runs into Alessi, which that upsets Alessi's not making him mad, but upsets his bike, which causes him to you know bobble a little bit and then push Seal wide. I um I I don't I think it was good racing. I have no issues with it whatsoever, and I um and and like I've had other people and other people we're friends with talk about how oh unless he does this crap and kind of hating on him, and I'm like man he didn't do anything wrong. So. Well, apparently there was some other stuff during the race where he was like very very aggressively Proper. cutting him off and stuff to a point where the Phil told Steve Mathis that Tony Alessi actually came and apologized to him for that. Like he was. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was some other stuff that was not caught on video that maybe was more of the, uh, you know, the accelerator for the aggress- the the anger. But you know, but Phil overreacted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I think what's happened is is maybe he's gotten away with being aggressive, and that's his. His mo and people are like, yeah, Phil's gonna talk trash. You know what I mean? And he's kind of like, I hate saying it this way because I don't know if this is the right way to word it. But you know, when people start believing their own press, oh yeah, yeah, talking, sure. yeah, maybe maybe that happened a little bit, and he just kind of, you know, that's just kind of he fell into that maybe too much. I don't could know. Could be, could be. Well, I mean, he he got uh, disqualified and it hurt hurt him quite a bit in points. So that's too much. That's yeah. too much. I mean, that, that that kills the that kills his chances yep. because of that other moto where he DNF the moto also. Yeah. Or got thirty whatever he got on that moto. Right. Um, it's a bummer for Phil. Nobody, nobody but Phil could could that you know wind up happening to where you <laughs> go to Canada 
and trying to revive your career kind of a situation in a way. That black, and, that black and, cloud followed him. Jeez, yeah, I know. So, um, I don't know if he brought it on himself or what. I don't right. know if I'm going to go there. I have some other thoughts, but I'm not going to put those out there. But okay. anyways, it, it's, yeah, it was an interesting weekend all around. I wish yep. I had some way to watch the Canadian stuff more, but. Well, let's let's finish with Millville real quick. Um, AC, you know, just extends his points lead. You think this thing is about locked up with four to go that he can just ride smart for the rest of the time? Um, yeah, I I think he'll. I think as long as he rides aggressive and can keep himself, you know, on the podium, I don't see any. Uh, you know, obviously we've seen what happened with um, um, Porcel. Yeah. You know, with the bike issues and. Without any catastrophic deal, how do you stop this? What's going on, you know? Yeah, I think he's good. Um, but we thought the same thing in Supercross. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying. Without something catastrophic happening, I, <coughs> I don't see how, you know, I mean, that's basically what happened at Supercross. Yeah. So. All right, so you're uh, you're headed home tomorrow then? I'm in the morning. I'm working nights right now. So. Right. In the morning, I get I get off work and I'm heading to the house and we're getting loaded up for Loretta's. <laughs> I plan on yeah I know I plan on hopefully shooting some videos and maybe putting like a try to maybe put a daily vlog up. Okay. For uh, for the Loretta stuff. Yeah. And well, I uh, I posted uh, some vlogs from the race and. Got those up today yeah. for anybody that wants to go to our YouTube channel. Check those out. You posted some video of you riding at Burleson and some other stuff. So, yeah, check out our YouTube channel. Support our Patreon, yep. of course, patreon.com. Help us out the show. Check that out. Um, we're going to announce the winner of the Fly FR5 boots here in a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, we got a winner on that. I thought that. I already won those. No, you did not. You you lost. I threw your entry away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, TJ, I'm going to uh, wrap this up, let you go. Got another guest coming on here shortly, uh, John Short, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, brother. All right, TJ, see ya. All right, that's DJ TJ, who uh, one of these days he will be back in the studio. Okay, we'll be back with uh, John Short. Hey, Kylie, does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses shock socks. The original and number one 10-second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork sills. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork sills, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. Dark Side here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at mxgirl.com, and that's mxgirl, G-U-R-L and tell her Moto X-Pod sent you. What's up, Moto X-Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why Allsport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. Allsport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. 
They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try All Sport Dynamic Wrist Braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, Weston Pike, Adam C. and Cirello, Matt Gerke, and Brock Tickle wear in their pro careers. Check them out, all sports dynamic braces. Powerband Racing is a suspension company dedicated to providing best service and products. They are committed to developing new products and improve your ride. They want your suspension to be the best it can be. They're based out of Minneapolis, and they're a WP Authorized Service Center and trusted by Ryan Sipes. Many bikes to big bikes, they cover them all. Powerband Racing has your suspension covered. Contact them at 320-983-3400 and follow them on Facebook or Instagram. Our first guest of the night is brought to you by Torque One Racing, who is providing high-quality, economical performance parts. Check out TorqueOneRacing.com for grips, pegs, handlebars, shifters, brake pedals, and more. Johnny and Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry, so follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Torque One Racing is proud to bring you the Texas privateer who kicked some major ass this weekend, John Short. What's up, John? Oh, not not too much. Actually, just got through uh, training today in Shawnee, Oklahoma, heading back to Denton. All right, is that up uh, where uh, Greg Albertson lives? Is that where his place is? Uh, yeah, he. They, I guess, his uh, the Game Moto group. They were riding this week, Monday and Tuesday. So I, I drove up there to get a little seat time in before Washu Awesome. Well, we're just coming off Millville, um, seventh overall. 6'8 for 7th overall and 15th in the overall series. Ahead of some factory guys like Joey Savacci, Cole Seeley, you know, Aaron Plessinger, uh, Dean Wilson, guys who have had some injuries. Doesn't really matter to me, man. John Short, Texas Privateer, is uh, having a hell of a season. Let's talk about Millville, though. Um, okay, so nasty weather. You know, limit. let's talk about, first of all, you got limited to one practice, basically, one quick qualifying practice. Um, did you like that better, just having that one one shot at it, or was that kind of stressful? Uh, I actually I did three laps. That was uh, that was all I did in practice. <laughs> I, I pulled off early to kind of watch some riders and see how things were going, and then it started raining. So uh, uh, I think in that scenario, yeah, I didn't mind it. I qualified okay. Um, was in, was fifteenth in qualifying, so. Um, no, I, I thought it was okay, but uh, I think under normal normal, normal circumstances, I prefer the two two practice format. Yeah, but I guess like I said, with those conditions, and again being a privateer, you got to save your equipment a little bit. Um, so it probably worked out in that one situation. Um, typically, are you, how do you feel about riding in the mud? Are you pretty pretty okay with it? Normally, uh, just from my track record and growing up and riding, man, if there's mud, I might. Have, I might as well pack it up and go home. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but no, normally I don't get good starts in the mud. So I, I think, you know, good starts are a huge asset. But um kind of surprised myself a little bit, honestly, with, with, with riding that well in those slippery conditions. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I think it's just all a matter of uh, track position. 
Yeah, you know, we, we've had you on here many times. We've had just, just different discussions about your starts probably being your weak point. I know you're sick of talking about it, but I told you I was standing there along the start line for the first moto start and the second one. And if you weren't the first one, you know, probably halfway down the start, you were second or third. Like, it was so close. An amazing start. You had to shut it off a little early being on the inside. But it still worked out to your advantage. Um, what do you think What do you think the reason was for that good start? Was there anything in particular that's changed, or was it just, uh, you know, just good reaction time? Um, I honestly, I went back and watched it. I don't even, I don't really don't even feel like my reaction was that great. I just drove uh, out of the gate pretty hard. Um, I honestly, I honestly couldn't tell you what changed. I think um, uh, Greg Alberson helped me out this weekend, you know, packing the gate and kind of uh, using his expertise on that kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, that definitely helped out. Yeah. It's like we did talk maybe about, it just, uh, oh, go ahead. maybe it was just kind of my, uh, just kind of worked out for me. I don't know. Yeah. Once you got up, you know, you realized pretty quickly, I'm sure that, Hey, you're top, oh, I don't know, top six or seven, I think right there in that first lap. I don't remember exactly where you were. Um, but was it, was it, what was going through your mind? You know, like, Hey, just maintain guys are going to be going down. Guys are probably going to be pulling off her goggles. Were any of those thoughts going through your head? Well, I mean, honestly, uh, like I've mentioned before, uh, being, being mid pack, that's, that's a lot more stressful than sure. being kind of by in, in the front group where it's not so chaotic. Um, on that first lap or two, you know, I was, I was in third and fourth and third, kind of going back and forth and uh, could see the leader. So for me, it was like, man, I've got the track position. Just uh, ride some solid laps and, and don't make any big mistakes um, and just try and look forward. Yeah, I would I would just, in my mind, if like I'm in your position, I feel like I'd get like overly excited. You know, that'd be me personally just to think, oh, crap, this is a real opportunity here and start. I'd probably mind, you know, mind F myself a little bit. Uh, so you did a really good job. It seems like just maintaining and I mean, uh, you know, you were right there with Henry Miller and uh, a couple other guys like you're just kind of just staying close by as I recall. And, uh, I honestly haven't got a chance to rewatch this, the, the race yet. So I'm just kind of basing off this areas I was in where I could see you, but it was man, really impressive what you did. Um, how much help was it to have a guy like Greg Albertson helping you out this week? I know mechanics for you are, um, you know, sometimes they, they switch sometimes week to week, and um, you know they're not always somebody that's quite as experienced as Greg was. Yeah, I think just uh, having his experience. Uh, obviously, he's he's gone through a day like Saturday over and over and over with with different riders, and he he did the race team for a year, and obviously working with his brother for so many years. Um, it was kind of a stress relief for me. Just uh, you know, I've had great help in the past, but sure. uh, just to, just to be able to one hundred percent just throw a leg over the bike and go ride. Because um, if there's something missing or wrong, you know, Greg will he knows everybody in the pits. You know, it's just uh, kind of a stress relief. But um, you know, I I think it was great. I was I was pretty thankful to have some, some good help and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, anybody that listens to the show knows they listen to a lot of the stories on the different podcasts that you know. A privateer, especially like say at a race like WW Ranch or Southwick, where it's exceptionally hot and the conditions are just brutal, to have to come off the track and either wrench on your bike or help wrench on your bike in the what seems like almost no time at all in between motos, um, it, it really is a disadvantage compared to the factory teams who have all the help in the world. 
Um, you know, and then people look at the fans watch these races and they see these guys that are 20th on back and they're oh man those guys what they why are they even out there but they don't realize i don't think what privateers have to go through no um i think uh the uh, race they've got a whole crew to attend to right so it does take a lot of people to uh make it happen and do it right um but uh i think i think in, that we've all there's a a lot of us have done well with what we've had, but uh, yeah, like WW Ranch was uh, my my buddy helped me. He felt so bad. Me and him both kind of both of both of us kind of getting easier, but we couldn't get the device locked down. You know, just little things like that. So I took off for motor two. All right, we're back. We had a little uh, phone reception issue, so I've got John back on. Uh, you were talking about your mechanic at WW, you know, feeling bad because you were having issues getting the whole shot device locked. And did you say you took off in the second moto without it? Uh, yeah, we, we couldn't get it uh, locked down, and, and we ran out of time. So uh, yeah. I took off for the second moto, just kind of, uh, you know, I tried I tried to get out of the gate. I, I quickly realized that whole shot devices are a huge help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was pretty glad to finally get one back on my bike after about nine months. Not that I ever race anymore. I think, but... yeah, I think, I think is what we did is we had adjusted the fork height or something like that, and neither of us had thought about checking where the ring was at you know what i mean that kind i got of deal, you so. yeah yeah it's a, i guess it's that kind of stuff you say like having somebody like greg who is very experienced that it just uh you got to have that you got to have those experiences you got to have that time doing it to put it all together and when you're bouncing from mechanic to mechanic uh yeah, it makes it very difficult for somebody like yourself what about the next four rounds are you going to make any of those i'm planning on doing the last four unless something you know, happens or changes. Uh, that's my goal is to do the last four races and finish, try and finish off strong. So yeah, well, that's good to hear because I, I, you know, our our mutual friend Chad Mayo had said that I guess you guys had talked at some point and you were looking for some help mechanicing wise. You know, uh, have you found a mechanic for those four races? Uh, I know this weekend coming up, I've got um, Greg's actually going to go back out with me. He's oh, going to fly across Eagle, and um, also another friend of ours, Michael Martin. So. I'll have a couple people uh, able to kind of assist and hang out, just, you know, help with anything there, anything, if we need help with anything, you know? Yeah. Um, so after, you know, a round like this and, you you know, you've been talked about a ton on Pulp, uh, you know, Steve's talked about you, Dan Truman's talked about you, uh, you've got Paul Parabino's in your corner. Has there been any other people, you know, any, whether it be just industry people reaching out to help you out more or, uh, you know, any opportunities? Um, um, I, I'm honestly not real sure if they're definitely cool to see um, the encouragement from the and, uh, you know, Paul Perdino and Dan Truman and all these different guys uh, that are, you know, have some clout in the industry. It's, it's really encouraging. Uh, and uh, to answer your question, I don't, I haven't really heard anything from any teams or anything like that. No, sir. Well, that's uh, that's disappointing, man. I think you know if you could keep putting in these, you know, these type of rides that you've been putting in. I, you know, you and I, we kind of walked around at WW Ranch and some of the teams. You know, they they sort of hinted at they, you know, they know who you are, obviously, and they're they're keeping an eye on you. And um, you know, hopefully, one of those opportunities is going to come up and give you something, you know, where you're not strut, you know, where it's not so difficult. Where maybe they'll pay some you know, flights or something, anything, man, seems like it would help, you know, take some, uh, some load off your shoulders. 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I, I think it's the kind of deal you have one good finish, that's great. I think you got to go back it up and do it time and time and time again. And uh, then I think you start to potentially get those sort of calls and uh, yeah. maybe, maybe the acknowledgement from those teams. So Absolutely. Um, how about training, man? I mean, I know you uh, you have to travel back to Texas, and you're you. Last time I talked to you, you were doing some stuff on your own for the most part. Um, not a lot of the guys in the are in the Texas area. A lot of them have moved over to uh, underground, but you weren't down there. So you were kind of riding by yourself. Has that changed any? Uh, you know, I've I've been riding a lot with uh, Ryder Floyd, okay, uh, local guy. Um, and recently on the weekend off, I, I went to made a trip out to Florida to go ride at Baggett's facility. Um, and then, you know, when, normally when I'm back home, though, I'll, I'll, I'll do some testing at Merge, uh, float around Texas, and then uh, spend a good bit of time up there at Game Moto with Greg Albertson. Um, they've got a really good training facility going on up there, a good group of guys. So um, go up there as much as I can and then, uh, you know, try and try and ride a little bit of everywhere. But yeah. Well, talk about riding with uh, Blake. I know that was something that you were working on while we were at WW Ranch, and uh, you had talked to Austin, his mechanic, and Blake, you know, kind of you got to meet, introduce yourself a little bit to Blake, and he let you come out. How was that? What was that track like? Man, it's, uh, it was like a racetrack. Uh, <laughs> they've, got a, yeah, they've, they've got an awesome facility over there, Blake does, and uh, they're, they're great people. I, I got to know Blake and his wife, and uh, obviously I've known Austin for years, so I was super super grateful to get to go out there and spend a little bit of time and get to know everybody and ride at his, you know, pristine, awesome track. So, yeah. Is it, is gnarly is like, I've seen Instagram videos. He's got that huge hill out in the middle somewhere, you know, that, I mean, I think he changes things all the time. He's got all kinds of equipment, but, uh, was it excessively gnarly or was it pretty much just, you know, like any other track? No, I mean, I think, uh, he tries to keep it. It appears to me he tries to keep it as much like race conditions as possible. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it seems like it rains every day in Florida, so, you know, it'll rain, get kind of rutted, and we, he just leaves it, and we ride it, and that kind of turns into natural ruts, and um, most most everything out there is, uh, I mean, there's there's a hill in the middle of the property that's every bit as big as Henry Hill, um, and then he's got, you know, he's got all kinds of different uh, little tweaks where he can make different different turns here and there on the track, and uh, it's, it's, it's really good for training. It's, it's awesome. How were your lap times compared to him? We, uh, man, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just joking. We, we really didn't do a ton of motos, uh, like comparing lap times and stuff. We did ride together, but yeah, so. well, that's still cool that you got that. I would say he was definitely, he was, he definitely had me covered. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, at least you got the chance to go out there and do that. You know, I mean, that's changes up a little bit and you know see what some of the factory riders are doing i mean there's nothing wrong with that um right we're still a long ways out but uh what are you thinking about supercross for 2020 uh any thoughts as to what you're gonna do man uh it sounds bad but i'm still thinking about washington this weekend. <laughs> no that doesn't sound bad that's probably the right answer honestly so yeah yeah, you know, I think uh, I honestly have, have no plans to set in stone or anything like that. I've, uh, I'm kind of kind of open for for any ideas or you know, kind of like see what comes what comes my way if it, what opportunity presents itself. Um, Absolutely, and kind of roll with it. So, well, that's awesome. Uh, well, but, but my my main priority right now is uh, trying to get some more good starts and uh, seeing 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 if I can put in some more good photos. To yeah, finish off the top of the season. 
So, hey, I want to ask you something uh, personally. Um, like I said, you know, our our mutual friend Chad Mayo and I, we we drove eighteen and a half hours up to Millville this weekend, and so we had lots of time talking. Of course, you were part of the topic. Um, he was telling me that you um, maybe are a little narcoleptic. Is that right? Where you fall asleep at the wheel sometimes? Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't talk a ton about it. Not that I'm like trying to hide it or anything. No, I, uh, I definitely am narcoleptic. I've, I've seen, uh, seen a neurologist and I uh, got some studies done and all that good stuff. You know, just, man, I'm always tired, you know, but, uh, yeah, I fall, if, man, I, I do, I fall asleep a lot during the day. Like if, if we go race, uh, supercross, we get done with first practice. I go in the stands to watch 450A. Nine times out of 10, I probably don't make it through the 450A practice. So I fall <laughs> But that does that's so, that, it doesn't actually affect you like when you're in the mode of racing though. No, not at all. When I'm <laughs> when I'm training, when I'm racing, yeah, that that's fine. But when I go home to do uh, you know, do emails and stuff on the computer, I fall asleep. I'm doing like for school. Uh, I before I have to get some reading done, you know. That's interesting. Um, but um, yeah. no, I mean. It kind of, it, I'm going trying to go through the process right now of, of you know kind of getting everything taken care of, so that's yeah. not an issue. But you know, you know, a lot of times traveling, being a privateer, uh, you know, doing road trips and stuff that can affect you. You get an hour out of the road at 8 a.m. and fired. You know, yeah. the only choice is to pull over and you know, take a quick nap. Yeah, I I feel you, man. I mean, I, I I napped a whole lot of the time on the way home from uh, from Millville. That's a trip, but. Yeah, that's uh, that's intense. Um, that's that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you're you're working through it, and it definitely doesn't seem you know it doesn't seem to affect you like you said while you're racing because you're killing it right now. And um, as always, man, we're proud of you. You know, I, I I love seeing you do well. I appreciate you guys. You guys have had me on the show for a long time. Uh, it's absolutely cool to have have everybody you know behind me. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Um, I hope the next four rounds do work out for you. Uh, you know, I, uh, I know you're, you're, again, you talked about Greg Alberson going with you to Washougal. Um, it's a brutal schedule, man, going back and forth all the time and on a privateer's budget, but you seem like you're doing a good job of it. Um, and of course, if there's anything we can do, you know, if you just hit me up, if there's anything I can do to help you out, I will. I, I don't have that many connections, but I got a few. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, that that'd be cool. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on the show, and uh, yeah, I just uh, like you said, hopefully the next few weekends go well, and yep. um, is what it is. Well, good good luck. Uh, you got a week coming off. I'm sure that'll give you a little time to recuperate and um, get ready for the final three. I guess. Yep. Yep. A lot back to back to back. Yes. New York, Bud Creek, and uh, Ironman. Yeah. Absolutely. So, those are some of my. Uh, I like Bud's Creek and Ironman. Those are two of my favorite. Okay. Well, so good. Let's I'm uh, excited for those. Let's put that Texas Privateer in the top five now. Man, look, I, <laughs> get a whole shot and let's 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 try anyways. You know, yeah, see how it goes. All right, right as hard as I can. I know that. So absolutely, man. Right. Well, again, yeah. we're proud of you. We're, you're showing what you can do, and I I think it's fantastic. And once again, I appreciate you coming on and giving us some time, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, just, I want to just give a shout out to uh, Jeremy and Michael McWhorter. I appreciate those guys for uh, sticking behind me over the years, and uh, all my all my other sponsors that are uh, been backing me through the successes and the failures. So uh, appreciate you guys, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. 
Absolutely, man. Well, we'll talk to you soon. And, uh, of course, we'll be watching you this weekend. So, good luck. Sounds good. All right. All right, John. See ya. John Shore, TPJ, Texas Privateer, doing his thing. Uh, yeah, man. Great, great race this weekend. He's had a pretty damn good season, I believe. Um, yeah, and I think he's he's just going to get better, I hope. So, all right. We'll take a quick break. Be back with our next guest. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort. Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Antonap. Seven dudes, Trey. I wear fly shoes. Wear fly shoes. 2019 Fly Racing line includes the popular Light Hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line, the all-new women's light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles. Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info. If you're looking for top quality hard parts, you need to visit Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry and are a proud supporter of the Moto X Pod Show. Find the flow with Torque One Racing handlebars, levers, shifters, brake pedals, and grips. Torque One Racing is the title sponsor of the Moto X Pod Show, so support those who support us. Visit TorqueOneRacing.com and order your Defy Lock-On Grips today. Blood Lubricant Signature Products, Blood Power Sport Series, Blood Racing Pro Series, and Blood Racing Pro Elite Series were all created to bring out the highest level of performance and protection for all types of racing. From dirt track to off-road, motocross, supercross, and drag racing, bloodlubricants.com has what you need. Along with their oil lines, Blood Lubricants provides chain loop, degreaser, polyclean, and other top-notch products. Independent tests have shown Blood Lubricant oils to allow your bikes to run up to 30 degrees cooler. Give Jeff Green and Blood Lubricants a try, and you won't be disappointed. Blood Lubricant sponsors of Tyler Powers, Team PRMX, Team TXS, and many other pro supercross and motocross riders. Visit bloodlubricants.com today. Okay, our next guest of the night is brought to you by Blood Lubricant Oil Lines. Blood Lubricant Oil Lines were created to bring out the highest level of performance and protection for the all types of racing. Blood Lubricants has three series of oil to fit your needs, as well as chain lube, degreaser, polyclean, and more. Whether you ride moto, race dirt track, or anything else, visit bloodlubricants.com for your oil needs today. On the line with me is Mr. Brad Jerominski, who is the owner of Club 57MX Training Facility. What's up, Brad? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Doing great, man. Um, just really excited talking to you. We had your rider, Dawson, Dawson Riker, on recently. Uh, so I want to get to know you and what your theories are on training and how your facility works. Well, that's, uh, it's not quite that easy, right? Because my theory changes every day. Sometimes I wake <laughs> okay. up and, <laughs> What the hell am I doing with my life, right? Right. Uh, but no, seriously, it's um, you know, and the reason I say that is, you know, I, I had a uh, there's there's certain protocol dark side that I go through, right? So you know, there there's certain signs like we don't moto if there's lightning, and and we don't moto if if a kid looks like he hasn't been drinking or or eating enough at lunch. Like there's certain things that uh, that just kind of are red lights in my line of work. Sure. So we. Uh, we were, you know, I'm based out of uh, out of Jacksonville, Florida. I'm I'm up north here, up in the north part of the of Florida, and we were at uh, WW Ranch, and the owners were so 
gracious to let us come and uh, and train there. And we were having a good day, man. The track was good. We, you know, he prepped it all for us. And uh, Dawson, who you just mentioned, uh, got a flat tire. So that that's like that's moment number one. I'm okay. Like, oh, dude, we'll put a tube in this thing and get you back on the track. And then the damn thing pops when <laughs> when he's trying to inflate it. So I'm like, all right, you're done. Like you're you're it's, at the end of the day, we're only doing one more one more moto. Let's call it. And uh, and and he did. He's like, I'll, I'll IG stuff. I'll, I'll pull stuff out to the radio, you know, for if I fall in film. And then I look in the horizon and I see like a dark cloud. I'm like, all right, guys. I'm like, we've only got two of you riding today. Let's just go, you know, grind a couple of sprints and and we're done. You know, we'll 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 call it a day. Right. And on the way on the way to the track, right. So I'm walking from the pit, and and when I'm training at WW, I stand up on top of that big, big like. Big, big in Florida, right? Because there's no hills down here. But yeah, uh, the big hill. So, dude, I'm standing there, right? And I see a lightning bolt, and and, I, and I'm like, no, no, I, I didn't see that. I mean, I just didn't see that crash of lightning, and you know, over my shoulder. We're, we're good. Let's just run. We're good. And and everything is screaming to me, Brad, don't train. You know, stop. Go in the gym and and get a workout and be done. So, you know, always always trying to push the envelope. I um. I sent them out there with, with, with specific instructions. I sent the one kid out with, you know, a, a gap, and I told my B rider, hey, man, you catch this guy. As soon as you catch the gas and the moto's over, come back to me immediately. Now we'll reset it. We'll try and beat this weather. Thinking we'll get two or three in uh, before it come, you know, before all hell breaks loose with this, you know, humid weather down here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, Dark Side. It, it, it was like, you know, the, 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 the kid that I sent out first had a, you know, botched his lap, missed the double, you know, top out of the rut. So like, it was like, he caught in my, my B rider caught him in a lap. Right. Right. In a, right. And I'm like, Holy shit, this was supposed to be, this was supposed to be, you know, I thought it was like an eight minute affair. Right. And it lasted, it lasted two minutes. So right at the end of the first lap, he passes him, and I'm standing up there like, okay, you know, come on in, pull in, let's, let's finish the moto. And uh, they kept at it. They kept duking it out. Well, later that lap, the kid's foot, uh, my beat rider, slipped his, you know, foot off the foot peg in the sand rollers, went ass over tea kettle, and, and broke his collarbone in two spots. And I, I'm sitting there, and it's still lightning. And I'm like, dude, you, you know better. Like, what what am I, you know, what are we doing? So we're, we're all essentially racers at heart, right? We're trying to perfect our craft or, or trying to execute every little bit out of every drill to... Uh, to get better and it was like you look at that and it's like you know when you ask what's a typical day you know <laughs> there isn't right you, you know at that point it was uh the end of the day was spent in emergency room uh, yeah the moto gods were trying to tell you something right right yep. and it's like and I'm, I'm telling them that is is we're in the uh uh you know as, as it happened and we're kind of like you know trying to figure out how to sling it and make them you know make them comfortable and take them to the hospital uh, the owner of the track comes up, Junior, and he's like, "Hey, man, he's like, you know, there, the book has been written. We're, you know, you were just following it, you know." And, and I looked at him. You're right, dude. You know, this was we're, you know, this is we just got to roll with it now and and focus on getting healthy and pick up the pieces and see what uh, what's next. So right, uh, yeah. Sometimes I gotta. Sometimes I gotta, you know, hold hands and and wipe <laughs> tears and dry blood and and, uh, and all of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brad, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, what's your background in racing, and and then transition that into when and why you started a training facility. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's crazy. So I'm uh, I'm originally from Northern Illinois, 
and uh, so I grew up in the era of, um, like, the professional era of, like, uh, McGrath and Emig and, and Albertine and, and these guys and Doug Henry that were that were prolific in the sport back then, right? So, so my, uh, you know, my, my racing background is I was just a local kid that, uh, that went out and, and, you know, made some nationals and was basically like a, like a zip code, you know, a three digits privateer getting laughed on TV. You know, that, <laughs> that's the extent, right? That's the yeah. extent of, uh, of my, uh, you know, of my, of my professional career. And, and it's easy to be call yourself a pro when you're living at home and you don't have any bills to pay. Right. So, um, you know, you just kind of bop around the country and go to money races and, you know, go to the pro races and get your ass kicked. And, but I wasn't smart enough to pick up on the tells, right. I wasn't smart enough to pick up, uh, on the why it wasn't until, uh, dark side, believe it or not, it wasn't until, and I tell parents this and they kind of roll their eyes. I'm like, I got a training from a broken leg. Okay. I broke a femur. Yeah, dude, I broke a femur and, uh, I got a phone call. Uh, a part of mine that wants to help his kid, uh, his kid done. So it was like, you know, all right, you know. So I, I kind of started the whole whole process of how to break down, um, break right. down you know, the sport um, into uh, into like a, a a curriculum. Okay. So that that was the you know that was the start of it. it was a it was a broken leg. So call it what you want, right? I mean, it uh, that misfortune kind of led me down this path. So that quickly escalated um, into uh, you know training on the weekends and doing it for fun. To saying, hey, I, I I can actually communicate, and I'm a much better uh, much better trainer uh, than I than I ever was a you know, a racer. Uh, so I I tease guys that you know I like. You know, explaining what an orange tastes like to somebody who's an orange. So how, how how do you do that? You know, what do you what what comparisons do you draw? So, you know, that that was you know that was my gift. My gift was you know to communicate and gab. So I, okay. I kind of took that, exploited it, out um, of Northern Illinois, and uh, and I would start. Uh, I got involved with um, much like I got involved with you. You know, uh, it started with an email to, to Harold at Moto Playground. He had this event going on once a year called Boom Diggity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, dude, and, and, and this was like six years ago, and he's like, yeah, man, come on down. I've never heard of you, but you sound okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like come on, you know, come on down. So yeah. I just drove down and, and did the camp, and, and at the camp I met, um, I met Colleen from MTF. And uh, we just kind of, you know, I just started asking her questions like insurance, like insurance questions. And what do you do if somebody gets hurt? And how do you teach breaking? And I was just kind of like picking her brain, you know, like what what can I do? So over the over the course of that weekend, she's like, hey, she's like, you know, what do you do in the winters? You know, being in Illinois, I'm like, oh, I plow snow. <laughs> I, uh, you know, right. you know, whatever bullshit was, you know, what I was doing at the time. And she's like, well, she's like, my son Davey is staying out in California, and, and he he bought Ezra Luxel place in uh, in Bainbridge. You should come down and, and use that facility in the winter. Nice. And I'm like, oh man, I, mean, I would, you know, I think so. Like, I think I could put some gypsies together and go down there and train. So, to make a long story short, yeah, man, Colleen opened the door. She got me in touch with Davey, and, and that's what I did for a couple of seasons. Is I leased it right from Davey. And, uh, and, dude, I didn't know any better. I mean, we had full supercross track, outdoor track. I mean, the guy before me was Ben Townley. I mean, Townley used to lease the place. So oh, it was wow, like, okay. 
group where we went from, you know, plowing snow in the winter to the Mecca motocross in the winter. And, uh, and then it, and then it just kind of evolved. So, you know, from there it was, you know, going back to Illinois and, and coming down to Georgia and kind of going back and forth. And my wife's like, Hey man, I'm done moving. Let's, let's pick a spot. You know, one, <laughs> we're either going to stay up north and be Yankees or we're going to go, uh, we're going to go south and be Floridians. So, uh, long story short, you know, here, here we are, we're, uh, we're full time down here, you know, and, and, and moving down your dark side, everybody, everybody has the same vision, right? The same goal, at least from a training perspective. And that's, uh, I want my own place and, you know, I'd love to, you know, have my own facility. And, and, and I'll tell you, you know, I moved down here with that intent. I had, you know, investors lined up and the property picked out and we actually went so far as to start clearing it and, uh, and get ready. But, man, we, we just couldn't get the county and the zoning to kind of add up and, and make sense. So, you know, we had to we had to abort and pull the plug. And, and ever since then, I was kind of, you know, bouncing around local tracks and, and things like that down here so I could, you know, get more established. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. you know, yeah. That's the kind of stuff I guess that a lot of people probably don't think about, you know, when you, well, everybody's like, Oh, build, build it. I want to build a track or I want to do this. And yeah, you got to, there's zoning issues and, uh, you know, neighbors issues and city laws and, uh, you know, all kinds of oh, stuff that you got to take into sure. account. Yeah. Like, like growing up in Illinois, you know, I just, I just trained kids where I grew up, you know, practicing myself. My parents, you know, I was fortunate enough when my parents had property and I had, you know, uh, a water waxing, you know, real rudimentary stuff, but stuff to keep the, you know, the dust down and, and the track that I grew up on and raped and went, wanted to come and learn and train. That's where I took them. Well, you know, I quickly outgrew that. And it was like, you know, then I was like, you know, I was kind of out branching or, 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 you know, outgrowing that, that current uh, scenario at my parents' place. So I reached out to a track that I grew up with, that I grew up at in Illinois. And, and, uh, and that was my first, that was my first like take at, you know, getting behind the scenes of, you know, of a track and, and understanding equipment costs and, and operation costs and, and what it what it really costs to run a dozer. Even if you own the damn thing, Dark Side, even if you own that that beautiful dozer, right? And right. In, in several hundred hours, I mean you, the tracks need to be the tracks need to be replaced on that. So every hour you're putting on that thing, on that dozer, I mean it, it comes out to about hundred and seventy five bucks an hour in fuel and wear and tear. So when you have uh, when you have major track changes uh, at a facility, um, yeah, they're 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 costly, man. That's, oh yeah, those are big numbers, you know. And 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 anybody can do it in a, in a backyard scenario. It's until you know the county rolls up and says, "Hey, man, you know you're zoned, you know you're zoned ag, right? You know you're zoned agricultural. You you can't be running a business uh, in uh, you know on this on this property. So we're yeah. shutting you down." And that's where. You know, that's where all hell breaks loose. Well, let's talk about your your um, what's where I'm looking for the the you know your ideas behind training. Like, you know, we hear all these stories. You got all the big time quote unquote training facilities. Uh, you know, and some trainers focus on strength, some focus on cycling, some focus on core, whatever. How do you decide? You know, what you're going to do per kid? You know, whether it's riding time versus off the bike time. And what exercises you're actually going to focus on? Well, that's a, that's actually a good question, and, and I don't want to be sound insulting, but I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't expecting that. that, that that's, a, that's a good one. Well, thanks. Um, but it, it, it comes. <laughs> I'm not saying you lucked into it, Dark. That I'm just saying it's a good question. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it 
it honestly it, it starts with uh, with an evaluation, right? So any of the guys that I'm training, um, you know, we start with, hey, what what do you want to do? You know, what where do you want to go? What do you see? Do you see yourself super soft? You know, do you see yourself riding outdoors? You know, you want to be a bee rider? You want to make it to the Redlands? What you know? What what's your deal? So once I kind of get an understanding of what they want to accomplish, and it's like, okay, well, here's what here's what we're going to have to do to get there. Okay. So you know, everybody everybody has their own their own gig, right? Everyone has their own deal. So a lot of uh, a lot of places out there, their uh, their strength is in numbers, right? So they'll put in you know twenty five. Whatever, whatever the number is, and they'll, it'll be kind of like a pyramid, right? So you'll have guys at the bottom that are pushing the train to the top. Uh, so you'll, you'll have like a, a, you know, these facilities that will produce, you know, literally world-class athletes. But in the process of doing so, you know, the, the guys that, that had potential that maybe got overlooked or, or weren't given 100%, but they should have been type of deal, you know, that's, that's that's my angle is yeah. you know I'm I'm not going to take um, I take real small numbers, uh, real small groups, and and everything that I do is based around that individual, both in the gym, uh, on the track, lap time wise. So to answer your question specifically, if I had to give you you know the silver bullet answer, uh, it's the brake pedal. You know that's the first thing. The first thing that we start at, whoever it is, whatever discipline we're riding, whether it's, uh, you know, supercross or motocross or amateur motocross, it's always the position of the feet on the foot pegs, right? I mean, it's about, it's about the, what I call the, uh, the marginal gain. So, hmm. you know, guys that find little areas of the track where they can make traction and make power earlier than their opponent, just by having... Um, you know, ideal technique, and, and that technique doesn't mean that everyone's got to look like Chad Reed or or Tomac or whoever is you know their favorite rider. Because obviously, when you look around, everybody has a slightly different riding style. But you know, the the there's far less variables. Meaning, their feet aren't jacked. You know, they're they're squeezing the bike with their legs. They're they're not dragging the brake pedal around the you know around the turns. I mean, from a uh, from a momentum perspective, uh, it. it pretty self-explanatory so you know that that's where we start now if the guys aren't aren't strong enough uh dark side to hang on the bike well you know then we'll develop you know core strength and, and you know more leg work and things like that so you know everything is is based around um based on what they're currently doing on the bike okay. a couple of years ago a couple of years ago, man, I was big into cycling. You know, we were grinding out, uh, you know, 150, 200 miles a week. And that was, you know, that was, and it doesn't sound much for like, you know, a guy who's, you know, uh, an avid cycler, but that's a lot for guys that are, are training and doing motos all day. And then you jump on and say, okay, you know, we've got, we've got four days out of this week to bust out, you know, or 200 miles. And, and thinking the, the, the mindset behind that was, uh, you know, I don't, I want my guys in shape, you know, I want them, I want them to have the lungs to do this. And, you know, we get to these, you know, longer, longer lapped events and they're getting tired. I'm like, how could this possibly be, you know, like are right. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what, where did I fail you? And, and it's not that they were tired. They were weak. Uh, you know, yeah. they, they, you know, they didn't have the muscular endurance to do that. Uh, to, to sustain that pace at that given, you know, at that given rate. So it was like, okay, Brad, back to the drawing board. You know, it was like, where, you know, where do we go? Where do we go now? So now my my latest uh, 
my, my latest, you know, okay, I got, I got a good balance of like, uh, you know, the core stability and, and, you know, muscular endurance. And at this time of the year, you know, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of maintenance, right? All the hard work is done, yes. but you know, something that we've really been focusing on is, uh, is, is the diet end of it. Like what, you know, what the guys are eating and most importantly, you know, not, not like here, you've got to have, you know, a cup of green beans and some protein, blah, blah, blah. But, but actually breaking it down into having, you know, you need this much protein, you need this much carbohydrate, you need this much fat. And before you ride, you need to eat this type of food before we ride. So you have, you know, so that, that carbohydrate will get in your bloodstream quick enough that you'll feel the effects, uh, when you're riding or at the race. I mean, how many, how many times have you gone out yourself, gone to the races, got up late, went over, you know, whatever the case is, right? Showing, showing up late for sign up, and you don't eat, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you're guilty. Yeah, we all have, right? It's like, oh man, I feel like crap. I can't do it. And, it's, and by no means, dark side, am I a nutritionist? No way. I've got a high school diploma that I know I may sound like I'm fancy, but I'm just a motor dork like the rest of us. I've just found a way, like. When something's wrong, like okay, what's the patch? What's the fix? Why? Yeah. Why are we getting? Why are we getting tired? And and realistically, it, it's from a lack of uh, a lack of eating. If, if the guys would just eat, and I don't care. I mean, I'm not even saying it's got to be organic and and uh, gluten free. I mean, it, anything at this point uh, is better than nothing. Let's start with something. Let's start yeah. with. I mean, maybe like that, right? But. Let's start with with a you know with a tuna sandwich, and then let's see where that gets us. And 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 that's where that's where I see the biggest uh, the biggest influence uh, is uh, is just being you know prepared. We'll call it. Okay. Well, I've got a question for you in this nutrition thing. How many bowls of ice cream per night is too many? Ah, well, okay. So <laughs> I've got uh, right. It depends on who you are, right? So yeah. Riker's nineteen. And he can, uh, and he needs at the end of the day, if he's, if he's, uh, if he's, uh, um, uh, carbohydrate deficient, meaning if he hasn't hit his number, uh, then yeah, he's got to, he's got to crush, you know, uh, enough ice cream per <laughs> serving for his carbohydrates there. Now, me being 44, shit, I have very little carbohydrates. I don't wake up with it around my ass if I, if I have ice cream at the end of the night. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a loaded question because some okay. guys need it and some guys don't. Well, I'm also 44 and I eat a lot of ice cream, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I'm really impressed with the fact that, you know, you, throughout this interview, you've said a couple of times, like you're, you're not claiming, Hey, I know everything and exactly what I'm telling you is the perfect thing. Like you're willing to adapt and change and learn. Um, I like, I like that, that you're not just completely set in your way. Oh, for sure, man. Because you know, and and parents will call me and they'll ask me the same thing. Like, what what's your what's your background? Like, yeah. you know, how many championships have you won? I'm like, dude, if you're looking for if you're looking for that, you know, you need to uh, you need to keep calling around because that's not that's not me. But um, you know, when I when I race, you know, and I had the luxury, you know, on press days of like McGrath jumping underneath, and that's before dark side like scrubbing existed. Right. And I'm like, how is this son of a bitch jumping the triple underneath me? I'm wide open on this outdoor suspension, you know, suspended, you know, two fifty two stroke jumping this. How how is this how is this even working? Right? Right. And it's like I'm not trying to teach guys, you know, what I used to do. Hell no, that was wrong. Don't <laughs> don't do what I did. I love it. You know, don't don't do don't do what we were doing five years ago. Now it's, you know, the modern era of of suspension and, and 
fuel injection and 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 the data acquisition. Like like look as amateurs, we can take a lit pro. I mean, it's you know several hundred bucks, right? And uh, and we can download you know anything that we just did. I can go on YouTube and find out you know what Dean Wilson had for for breakfast. You know, I mean the 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 old saying, success leaves clues. Is uh, is relevant, and and in this modern day of uh, of technology, man, it, it's out there. You know, you, you just have to you just have to kind of uh, kind of evolve with the progression of the sport. Because if you don't, you know, I'm not. You know, I used to like break tap in the <laughs> break tap in the air. You know, that's yeah, not yeah. what you do. Nobody. I mean, that's the last thing they do before they jump off the, the back of the bike. You know, <laughs> I, I think Paul Hodges did that before he weeded it. So it still looks cool. You know, that, that, Right, but I mean, it's just so like 1980s. It's right. Not, not how they play. Well, Brad, before I let you go, uh, Loretta's is coming up next week. That's a big event for our amateurs. Um, how many kids are you taking, and what are your expectations? Um, you know, I've got uh, I've got a couple kids that um, that can really turn some heads. Um, but you know, it, I didn't make them fast. You know, and, and I never take credit for. Uh, for people that I'm training that are, you know, that are shredding, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't go on media and say, look at me, look what I did. You know, if, if you, if you cruise through my social media, you can, you can, you can get a grasp of my what they call advanced sense of humor, dark side that I, <laughs> that I suffer from. Right, <laughs> so I understand. If yeah. You can, if, you can, if you can sift through the sarcasm and and the inside jokes and stuff, because to me that that's what it's about. You know, it's about. Uh, a reflection of my personality. So, you know, it's the same thing with Loretta's. Like, yeah, I've, I've got guys that, you know, we, we could squeak out some championships and college boy and, uh, and, and some of the other classes. Um, but that, that's on them. You know, I'm not going to stand there with the towel on the podium and say, look what I did. It, it's more of you did it, man. This is your hard work. I was just, uh, I was just a, a catalyst uh, to make it happen, to allow it to happen. But without their hard work and without, uh, their sacrifice, you know, I don't have, I don't have a job, you know, and that, and that's the thing, like with, with this, you know, full-time training stuff, I mean, it, it sounds glamorous on the outside and, and, and it sounds so appealing, like, oh my God, I'd, I'd give anything to, you know, ride and train on a dirt bike full-time, but it's like, would you, you know, <laughs> you, you look at these, you look at these guys on TV, dark side, you're like, holy crap, you know, and you're at the races, you see it, you yep. know, from, so the Bogles to the Rocks and the there's not there's no separation in talent. None. I mean, these guys are doing things on a bike that are mind boggling, right? And they're able to do that from hundreds of thousands of hours of sacrifice and practice and training and, you know, living on dirt floors and whatever their background is, I mean, that that to me that that's what keeps me connected to the sport because yeah. it, it's the level of commitment out of these guys at the professional level is, is unheard of. Absolutely, for sure. The general public, um, they see the two hours on TV of the easiest part of these riders' week. So, yeah, they they don't see all the the gut-wrenching, uh, you know, training and guys being injured but going and riding anyway. Uh, you know, they're not sitting on their couch watching, you know, I, I don't know, whatever TV shows pop up. They're not, they're not hanging. They're, they're missing out on stuff. They're missing out on family things. They are putting 100% uh, into everything at the track, off the track to prepare for the easy part, which is the race. Sure. And, and not to mention sacrificing, you know, the relationship yep. and, that, and that, uh, that dynamic, you know, that dynamic, it, it, 
it, it really is it really is humbling when when I'm you know brought in and then we do have a sliver of success like you know I get a kid uh, you know and I'm not talking about you know getting a factory ride I'm talking about you know sometimes I work with guys that have never made it to Loretta's and then they go and win the regional the next year so That's you cool. know you watch that like you know good for you man like that you did that that's not me you know you, you did that or you know, I, I used to be, uh, I used to have a good stable of uh, arena cross guys, and, and they won some championships. And, and watching them do that, it's like, you know, you, you just don't, people just don't put in the perspective you know, how difficult that stuff really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Brad, man, I really re- appreciate you reaching out. Uh, again, you guys can check Brad out at club at club57mx on Instagram. You go to club57mx.com and, and find more out. I appreciate you reaching out to me, and it was really a, a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, buddy. Like I said, uh, um, I, I enjoyed it. So uh, anytime you want to chat, my phone's always open. All right. Well, hey, man, good luck this uh, next week at Loretta's, and you know, good luck to Dawson, who was a pleasure to have on also. And once again, thanks, man. All right, buddy. We'll talk. All right, Brad. See ya. Right, that is Brad Jeraminski uh, at Club 57MX. And just to announce our winner of the Fly FR5 boot, which we did a, a trivia question two weeks ago when uh, Derek Waiting was in, and of course we had all those audio issues, which I apologize for. Uh, hopefully that won't happen again. Uh, but the winner that we picked is Devin Cavendish. So Devin, email me your info. I need your colorway for the, for the boots. I need your size. I need your address, all that good stuff. Email me back your info, and congratulations. Okay, we will take one more break and be back with our last guest of the night. Right, the next guest on the line with us is brought to you by Extreme Colors. If you're rolling up to the line with a custom-painted helmet, it's one of the coolest feelings you can have. Kirk Hunter has been painting helmets since 1989, and his price is still the same. $295 gets you a professional, one-of-a-kind paint lid, paint job on your new lid. Contact Kurt at xkhelmetpainting at gmail.com or follow him on Instagram at Extreme Colors. On the line with me, one of the new fast kids in Texas, Grant Harlan. What's up, Grant? Hey, how you doing? Doing good. So... Uh, like I said, off the air, I was looking at your Instagram. You've got support from some uh, pretty big, big hitters, man. Ty Lube, Honda, or Ty Lube and Storm Lake Honda are helping you out? Yeah, they uh, they stepped up this year for, for an amateur deal uh, going into uh, going into the pros next year, which is which is pretty cool. So big thanks to those guys. Yeah, so um, I saw you for the first time at the recent Pro Cup at Oak Hill. I actually don't think I've ever seen you ride before, but you – pretty well dominated that weekend it looked like um i saw you on the podium being interviewed by uh my buddy shan garcia um how was that race for you yeah that race was uh super cool uh big thanks to the guys at oak hill and everything for for putting that one on a 250 race saturday um pretty much pretty much dominated all the motos and uh on sunday had some had some pretty stiff competition with uh with Ryder floyd and jake masterful and it was uh it was fun battling those guys for for three twenty minute motos. Yeah, what what do you think if uh, Kyle Cunningham had been able to race? Do you think you got anything for old for old Kyle? Uh man, put a put me on four fifteen. I'll give Kyle a run for his money. I like it. I like it. Kyle's a good dude. Well, Grant, I want to get to know you a little bit, man. Um, how old are you right now? 
Uh, I turned 18 in April. Okay, so when did you start riding, and how did you get involved with the sport of motocross? Uh, well, I believe I started riding about uh, about four. Started racing at five. Uh, I actually had a set of golf clubs in my hand when I was when I was feeling. My uh, my dad bought me a PW50, and that's as soon as I saw that's that's pretty much all I wanted to do since then. And uh, I started out racing uh, fair races in Hawaii, and oh okay, you know, found out about Loretta's and and uh, made the trip overseas in 2010 to, to live in Texas and, uh, and chase that chase that dream. Okay, let's step back just a second. Um, so you got a 50. Was your dad into motocross or just riding dirt bikes, or how did that come about? Yeah, when uh, when my dad was younger, he used to used to do like flat track and and rode snowmobiles and stuff, and uh, bought me bought me a PW and yeah. Okay, and where did you say you did these the fair races? Uh, I did them in Hawaii. Okay, um, what island? Oahu. The, no, the Big Island. Oh wow! I did race. I did race in Oahu, Maui, and Kauai, I believe. And what were you doing in Hawaii? Uh, my dad moved there when he was in the middle school or high school. Okay. I believe my mom was the same, and, and then they had me. That's wild. Yeah, I, I lived there as a teenager. My dad was stationed at Pearl Harbor, so that's pretty cool. Um, very, very beautiful place, but it was, it, to me, it was really tough living there just because you could only go so far and then you had to turn around and go the other direction. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not really an island boy. Okay. Uh, although I lived there for a few years. I, I like riding dirt bikes and there's not much over there, but they've definitely been, been growing, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. And then you came to uh, came to Texas. You said in 2010. And how long before you started, uh, you know, getting to a point where you realize hey, I've got some real talent here? Uh, that really started when I, when I first came to the states. I uh, I went to to a race at Barona Oaks in California, and mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't I didn't know about Loretta's then. I didn't really really know anything about big races. And uh, Carson Mumford actually was was there, and we saw him and. He was he was the kid that was you know dominating, and uh, uh, when I went and raced, you know I was pretty close, and I was like, wow, you know, might might actually need to need to pursue this. That's pretty cool, yeah, to 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 be that early in your riding career and feel that comfortable and that confident. Um, so growing up, who were your idols, race wise? Uh, def- def- definitely Ricky Carmichael. Okay, you're an RC team. guy. Loved watching that guy. Yeah. What about Ricky? Uh, was what made you love him? Was it just everything, or his aggressiveness? You know, what was it? Well, honestly, my favorite part about Ricky was he he liked to win. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there was no he, there was no doubting his willingness and want to win. For sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so where are you training at in Texas? Where do you call it? Like, what is your, where do you ride most of the time, and what is your program like? Like, how much? Let's start with that. Where do you, where do you ride most of the time? Uh, I've been up at uh, at Game Moto with uh, with Greg Allison. Okay. Uh, I started I started up to, uh, up there in March after I got back from a broken hand, and you know, really, really been progressing, feeling good on the bike. Uh, that facility is incredible, and uh, yeah, just been. Just been grinding out and chilling with him up there. Well, that's cool. We just interviewed John Short a little while ago, and he was up there today. He was actually on his way home when I was talking to him. And uh, 
I met Greg for the first time this weekend, wrenching for John Short. Yeah, he uh, he got John off the he was, he was a pretty good start. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, John killed it. Yeah, for sure. Tell me, uh, tell me what Greg does best. Like, what is? There's a lot of different techniques for for teaching and training. What do you like about working with Greg Albertson? Uh, he's he's just a cool dude. Uh, the tracks up there are, are, are really good. Uh, they're obviously trade old tracks that he used to used to train and, and live at. Uh, you know, Greg Greg's got a good attitude. He knows he knows a lot about the sport. Yeah, obviously wrenching for John this weekend, wrenching for Jimmy, wrenching for Trey. You know, he's got a lot of a lot of insight. In Absolutely. Kind of um. So what what do you think is your your biggest um, weakness and your biggest strength in your racing? Uh, I would say my biggest strength in racing is definitely my mindset. Okay. Coming coming into races, uh. And, and how I approach approach the track, I, I feel like I've got a pretty good, pretty good understanding of that. And uh, I, I would say my weakness is um, is really getting a, a good diet going. I've been struggling with that a little bit, but I feel that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Greg Greg's been helping out with that, and you know we're we're heading in the right direction there. So, well, good. Um, so I assume you're you're prepping for Loretta's. Um, what classes are you racing next week? Uh, I'm going to Loretta's in 250 and 450 for sport. Okay, and um, what are your goals? You are you do you expect yourself to win, or do you are your maybe your goals just a, a little below that? Uh, I'm I'm definitely going going there to win this year. You know, uh, I'm pretty pretty positive that this is going to be my last year there, and okay. I definitely feel like I have I have the speed and fitness to to contend for those wins. You know, uh, it's really going to come down to that starts because a lot of fast guys. Yeah, I mean Loretta's is, is an interesting format with the three moto format spaced out over a few days. Um, never been there, never done it, don't know what that's like, but it seems it's just unusual. So, it, you know, who knows what wrenches are going to be thrown into the system? Yeah, no that that race is uh it's definitely definitely one of the craziest I've, I've ever been to. Right, uh, I've been there like eight years now. Okay. You know, it's it's different every year and throws everything at you. What's your best finish at Loretta's? Have you won a championship? Uh, my best finish there is the seventh in Motos and the seventh overall. Okay. Shoot, there's nothing wrong with that. Um and I saw on your Instagram that you were at Redbud recent recently. What what event was that? Was that just an amateur race or a qualifier? Uh I went to Redbud to to race the amateur day. Okay. For for the national. Uh just just to go see the track, uh, went up there to uh, to represent who's retire and, and see all those guys. Cool, and cool. You don't have one. Yeah, I went there last year for MX of Nations, but I've never had the chance to ride the track or anything. I rode Millville this weekend. That was fun. Have you ever been up there? Yeah, I've been to Millville uh, last year for a regional, and, and both tracks are incredible, honestly. If you had to pick uh, one. I love both places. There's a little bit of uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit of debate of which national is the best. Those two seem to be the favorites most of the time. Would you be able to pick a favorite between the two? Millville, definitely. Okay, I, I I'm that, on board with that you. Dirt is awesome. I'm on board. Well, like I said, I didn't get to ride Redbud, but as just the facility and being there, like Millville is so beautiful and that creek and the hills and yeah, I, I really enjoy that place. Um. So what about stamina, man? You you mentioned on that Redbud post, 
hopefully you'll be racing that next year at a national level. Are you ready for 30 plus two? Yeah, I, I definitely feel I am. Uh, I'm considering racing, racing Ironman for, for, uh, the first outdoor national. Okay. Uh, we're going to see, see what happens at Loretta's, but I definitely feel like I could, I could do two 30 plus twos. I like pretty, it. Pretty, pretty long. Yeah, that's, that's good. Cause I, I'll tell you right now that I could not, so I, I could barely do <laughs> four laps in an amateur race. Uh, I am 44 years old and out of shape, but, um, everything you guys do for training and riding, man, it's just so, so impressive. And watching you shred at Oak Hill was Man, you got some skill. There's no doubt. Um, I, I really look forward to watching you at Loretta's. Um, talk about your off the bike training. Uh, is there anything in particular like you really like to do? Whether it be cycling, uh, you know, core weightlifting. Uh, what, what's what's your thing for when you're off the bike? Uh, you know, it's a love hate relationship, but definitely, definitely been uh, gonna have to go with running here. Okay, you're a runner. It. I'm not a runner, but. I feel like uh, if you're gonna work out or do something physical, there's there's nothing better for for your mental and physical state than than running. Okay, well now you just mentioned mental state, mental mental um, ability ability to deal with mental things. Uh, mental the mental side of racing is probably a lot more important than a lot of people maybe consider. Uh, you know, whether it be just getting your mindset right, like when you line up, let's say at a national at Ironman or in the future. And Jeremy Martin or who or Dylan Ferrandis lines up next to you, and and being able to put that out of your mind that oh that's who that is, um, you know, or or any other aspect of the mental part of racing, um, just having the right mindset is very important. How do you work on that? Do you do any? Uh, you talk to any therapist, or is there anything that you do for the mental side? No, nah, not really. I just after these years of racing, I've kind of just kind of just starting to fall into place and, and clicking a little bit uh i don't really work with anyone on it I okay kind of figure it out yeah well that's that's cool though i mean I, it sounds like you got a really good attitude um i, I met your dad briefly at oak hill seemed like a really good dude and um you know seems like he's been very supportive and a good family so that that's always a good thing yeah yeah couldn't couldn't do it anything without my parents really right it's been a, a big help over these years so is Ty Lube gonna? Uh, you know, they they had some. They helped some guys out. I think Blake Wharton was a guy they helped out in Supercross this last year. Uh, are they going to help you with any kind of, uh, you know, whether it be a, a semi of some sort or a box truck to get to some of these races? Or what? What is their deal with you? Um. Well, we don't have anything you know set in stone just okay. yet for for next year, but uh, we're working on that right now, and uh, it's probably going to be the same deal. Blake was on, you know, they're going to have like their rig and bike and, and whatnot. And, uh, for Loretta's this year, they're, they got me a bike and, and, uh, we're working on getting the rig rig down there right now, uh, okay. getting everything ready, ready to go. Right. Um, and I also noticed that you did some of the Supercross features this last year, which, uh, a guy that seems to have your ability, those tracks were probably pretty tame. But did it teach you anything? Was there anything helpful with running some of those uh, to get prepared for actual Supercross? I mean, yeah, tra- the tracks were fairly easy, um, but it was it was cool to be in the stadium and and see. I guess get this a feel for the surroundings and, yeah. and how uh, how tight the tracks are. Have you ever done any, any arena crosses? 
uh, I've done a few like local arena crosses. I've done like that junior Moto X race, but I've yep. never been to uh, an AMA arena cross with you know okay. with the big dogs. Well, then it's probably it's probably good that you did the the Supercross futures then, just like you said, to get a feel for the stadium. And then I guess you said maybe run an Ironman this year. Are you going to shoot for Supercross at all, or wait for outdoors? Uh yeah. If if I'm uh yeah, I'm probably gonna start a start East Coast next year. So are you pretty comfortable in a big set of whoops? Uh, I probably have about two days on a Supercross. Oh, okay, okay. So, so we're going to figure that one out here pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would, you know, if you could get through the set of whoops, you're, uh, you're, you're probably about 50% of the way there, man. That's those things can be, well, you know what, honestly, this year they weren't as gnarly at as many races. There were so many jumpers. So I don't even know how you would prepare for that at this point. It seems like they, the track designs have changed. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure how you prepare, but I'm definitely going to put a little bit of a little bit more focus into the look so if yeah. they do have a big set like uh what was it indy hat yep. yep you know just just to be ready for it because man that's that's half of half of supercross right there is being fast in the whoops uh yeah i would say so that that stuff you you see guys uh struggle and their night can be over pretty quick without you know pretty much anybody with any talent and a little bit of uh we'll say balls can jump stuff, you know, but if you corner speed and whoop entry speed, I think those are your probably two biggest factors you need to work to have. And again, I have none of those, so I will never ride supercross. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's man. That can be the difference between winning a moto and fifth place. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, we talked about John short just a little bit. Have you got to ride with him very much? I know he doesn't spend all his time up there, but um, the guy's got tons of skills. Have you rode with him much? Yeah, I've I've done quite a bit of training actually with John, you know, at his place, uh, yeah. up at game and, and other tracks and stuff. And it's it's good working with a guy like that, being around someone who who works so hard. Yep, off the bike and on the bike. So when you're on the track with him, I I asked him this question. He rode with Blake Baggett uh, last week, I think, or two weeks ago. So I'm going to ask you this question with John. When you're riding with John, how do you compare? Your lap time's pretty close. Uh yeah, I I ride the two fifty and he he rides the four fifty, sure. so there's a little bit of a difference. Um, I would say I'm not too far off considering, but yeah, fantastic. He, he definitely well, cut the edge. That's exciting, man. I I'm uh I'm really looking forward to watching you. You know, I'm gonna try to watch Loretta's on online and you know see how some of our our Texas guys. You know, we we're I'm calling you a Texas guy since you're close by. So um, yeah, we're Texas. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do, and you know, like uh, Zane Merritt, you know, this this year who's just killing it. I I would love to see the same thing out of you when you go pro. That'd be fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Well, Meg Grant, thank you so much for coming on. Give us a little bit of your time, and um, I will try to do a follow up with you after Loretta's. If you're cool with that, um, my my producer's yeah, going to be going down there. His son Doc Smith is a is a B rider that rides out of underground. So he'll be there. Yeah, and, yep. I know doc. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I'll make sure TJ, his dad comes and finds you and maybe do some, some, uh, interviews at the track. Yeah. Sounds, sounds good. All right, Grant, uh, you take care, man. And once again, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. All right, bud. Have a good night. All right, that is Grant Harlan. Find him on Instagram and be watching for him, man. Maybe uh, maybe we'll have some domination at Loretta's. 
Once again, before I wrap the show up, I want to congratulate Devin Cavendish for winning the FR5 boots. Doesn't take much to enter, man. We uh, we got quite a few entries, but you know there could have been a lot more. All you gotta do is when we do give these things away, is enter. You never know, you might win something really cool. Uh, I mentioned Patreon again, Patreon.com. If you want to get on Patreon, follow the Moto X Pod Show and support us. Uh, you know, as little as a dollar a month, up to whatever you want to give helps out. We are probably done with major events this year because our budget has gotten tight. So if you guys like the YouTube content and all the interviews and the stuff that I can get when I go to these supercrosses and nationals, you know, we really appreciate your help. So patreon.com, you can do that. Uh, yeah. Once again, all our sponsors, of course, Torque One Racing, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, Allsport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, Works Wheels and Mods, Extreme Colors, Kyle Tucker, uh, Real Estate, and of course the Churbies. I did not mention them earlier. Churbies for all your plastic needs and many other things. We appreciate everybody that listens and all the sponsors. Uh, All right, that's it. We're going to wrap this thing up, and we will be back next week after Washougal.